Want to have safe, kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky, safe sex needs satisfied by visiting adameve.com. Sex, dating, relationships, and all things kept on the hush. Welcome to Hush, the podcast that brings you the shit you love to hear. Let's slide into the episode. Dropping that sexiness for your ears as we enter another volume of Hush. Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another volume of Hush. My name is Kim, and I'm excited to bring you my guests Candace and Gregory Lowen, authors of Fucking Our Way to Enlightenment, A Swinger's Journey to Divine Sexuality. And I just want to start off with who you are and a little bit about your background. Yes, of course. Um, Gregory and I met in Sunday school when we were seven and eight years old. And uh, by the time I was 12, I... Uh, uh, we kind of got together in a, a church youth group. and uh, our first date. It was our first date yeah. when we were 12 and 13. And at that point, I figured I was going to marry him, have a big house and a color TV. That's all that mattered back then. <laughs> and then uh, when Gregory had his 18th surprise birthday party, I was invited. And uh, at that point, we started dating. Yeah, so four years later, we got married and uh, partied and played and traveled the world children and then we kind of got into about 20 years into marriage and things were just getting a little bit stale at that point you know the relationship was fantastic everything was good kids were wonderful but we both just needed a little extra stimulation and uh, that came by uh, some friends in the hot tub after some drinks as you know, so often happens <laughs> and we kind of looked at it and went, well, that was, that was fun. We never had any issues like with each other or jealousy or any sort of feelings. Of yes, we knew where our heart was. We knew yeah. who our beloved was yeah. and still is. And uh, at that point, we said, yeah, we can open, open this up a little bit. Open this conversation up and, and we started exploring, you know, what we could find locally. This is, you know, we have to look at this before the internet. You know, there, there was out, but very, very little. You know, that was 2000 is when this was happening. And so there wasn't the plethora uh, of all of these adult sites and swinger sites and all these things that you get information and learn from. It was ads in the back of magazines and newspapers. And uh, so that's where it started from. And we did a little bit of traveling, and uh, we ended up in Edo in Jamaica. And that really exposed us to the, to the real world of of, uh, of swinging, and uh, we survived it, and realized how much we enjoyed it, and 
continued exploring it ever since. Breaking it down to capturing pretty much your memoirs into a book, what inspired you to write it? Ah, well, we were asked to do a uh, Swingers 101, a little workshop on... Um, well, on the lifestyle. Just lifestyle. To introduce yes, people to the lifestyle and some of the, you know, some of the points about it. And at the end of the at the end of our little workshop, the the audience was so. Um, they said, "You have so many stories yeah, to tell." I need to write a book, and so we literally we came home. We talked about it on the way home, going, "You know, we could maybe do this." And that actual workshop has ended up becoming what we call uh, "50 Ways to Keep Your Lovers," which is a section in the book, which is hints and tips and and things just to sort of guide a person through an open relationship, no matter how they structure it. It's just, you know, just some good information that we can get And, uh, but we sat down, we started. So we just, uh, stream of thought, and we just kind of went back in time and started writing all our different stories. And, uh, and then why? Yeah, there's no thought. Yeah, there's no thought to the process at that point. It was just, let's just get all these things down on paper. See where we go. We started to see a bit of a, uh, an arc to it. You know, we, we knew that we had, we knew that we had grown. And you know, found ourselves an excellent mentor and, and friend, and she really helped us to put the whole thing together and understand the direction that we were going with it. And uh, and she just kept being a pain in our. <laughs> Every time she said, "Why did you do that?" And I go, "I don't know. It was fun." When you start to think about it, and you, and you kind of go back and go, "Why did I do it? What was the feelings behind all of this?" Um, it became quite emotional, and it came to a point where I uh, had to go upstairs. I've got something to write that I've totally blocked. I've kept in a little box inside me, and it was my trauma when I was 16 years old, and a boss had forced me to give him a blowjob, and um, that had changed my whole outlook on how I brought in men into my life. I always had to be the dominant one. I always had to be the one on top. I had to make sure that I was the one that came first. There's all these things that I never realized where they all stemmed from. And it, it was from the trauma that I had when I was 16. And I wasn't going to let any man control me ever again. Then I beloved. Mm-hmm. Yes. But she never goes sub. She never will. She doesn't go sub. I don't go sub for Gregory. It's interesting. <laughs> or you do go sub. Don't go dominant. Oh, that's I'm it. trying to get you to do I try it, you know, but it's just, it's, <laughs> I think it's a safe space. You know, it, it really is. You know, like that safe and comfortable space. Would you say that the writing process, now that we're talking about it, was therapeutic? It made you really dig deep in and, and try to, like, uncover the whys? Help with our editor, with all the prodding that she did, really made us go, go deep and go into more of our... Um, innermost feelings and it was interesting you know how um, even writing side by side how he would see things differently than what I would see or or we would talk about it and we go I didn't know that you felt that way during that that occasion or that event and uh, it was a real eye-opener and it was good for both of us and for our marriage just taking it to that next level you think that you know someone really well after 40 years but there's still things that uh, that really highlighted the conversation, you know, how much the conversation is important to, you know, to share and to be, uh, be uh, willing to be open and vulnerable for a lot of things that we're, we're expressing and, and even trying to figure out on our own. Like Candace said, you know, with her editor prodding us and, and uh, having to sit back and, and really analyzing it. And then sometimes those things are, you know, difficult to, to uh, express, I guess. Yes, that's, that's why, yeah. So it, it's been... Uh, process itself, I think we both found 
extremely therapeutic and, and surprisingly um, simple. Like there was days that, there was one day in particular, it was 11 hours, we sat on the sofa, we were shoulder to shoulder, and we had the laptop on, you know, one or another's laps, we passed it back and forth, and we were just writing and talking stories, and while one person was basically stream of thought, getting words out, the other person was, was uh, typing it all down, and then we'd switch over. So it was it was really a fascinating process that way. Very enjoyable. And very enjoyable. No arguments, no fighting, no any of this, any of that. We had to go over a lot of old photographs. Unfortunately, you know, as a photographer, I've got a lot of old photographs. And just to try to, you know, for you to recall events and times and places and people. It's, it's amazing how many things you forget over the years. How long did it take you to write? February till October, six months, yeah. seven months. Mm-hmm. It was pretty quick. We set our, our mind to it that we were going to get it done within one year, and we did. We did it in weeks and a year. I think it took us probably about four or five months to actually write the book. But then we had to rewrite the book <laughs> once we actually had the whole thing completed and understood that, you know, the direction that it was going and the information that was being provided and, uh, and answering all of the questions. So it took a little bit longer on the editing process. Did you have immediate support with your writing journey? Yeah, we did from our friend parents, um, you know, because they were all very interested in the process. So uh, it was always a topic of conversation. So from that end of it, yes. So our, our editor has become a very dear friend to us, and uh, so from that end of it, yes, it's been you know, good to have her input and, and uh, kind of having our back on to that. And actually, for a lot of our friends, it's been the same way. You know, we're, we're coming out. You know, it was, we're, we're coming out to the world. We're different than, you know, anybody else coming out, and we're revealing things about ourselves that uh, are extremely personal and, and uh, very graphic, and it's been extremely freeing. Never would have really considered that part of it, but uh, it's 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 become quite a quite a, uh, a relief in, in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Would you even go as far as saying like a sense of empowerment behind it? Oh, definitely, definitely for me, um, realizing that it doesn't matter what people think about you. Um, you've got to be true to yourself because of the freedom that you feel afterwards and, and you're lighter and you're just kind of going, okay, I can just be me. I can just be expressive in, in all aspects, in my sex life, in my personal life, in my work, um, in my family. Just being uh, free to be me is so important. And um, all these years, it's amazing when you keep it all bogged up. In fact, uh, when we started writing the book, it was under the name Maggie and Josh, and we weren't going to put our real names on the book. That was a big deal for us. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't want to just be a brag book. You know, these are all of our exploits and accomplishments, and and so we really wanted to pull back from that and, and do it anonymously, just purely for the information and the entertainment value for people to read it. But as we got deeper into it, uh, we realized that you know, to be true to ourselves, which is something that that's very important to us. Um, we had to be fully revealed, and uh, and, and the storyline took us deeper and, and a lot more emotionally, and uh, became a very vulnerable book. And opening up your feelings and and expressing that, you know, after every story, you know, we write a little bit of something that we had learnt in the, in a situation, maybe in that mass orgy, or or maybe when it was a, when it was with a threesome, or whether it was just with ourselves, you know, exploring energy orgasms, 
all of that, you know, just expressing that, why we did that and why we went one experience to another. Um, so you did tease on how the journey started in the hot tub with alcohol. Without spilling too many details of your book, what were you both feeling and thinking during your first experience sleeping with other partners? Because of already having 20 years of marriage under our belt already, we knew that our hearts were with each other, and he is and always will be my beloved. And uh, sex is just an act. It's not... Um, Backtracking a little bit, you mentioned a traditional Christian upbringing and a strong sense of patriarchy in the book. Were your family and friends supportive of your journey into the lifestyle? Friends, yes. <laughs> friends, yes. Um, we just didn't tell our families about it. And uh, it was something that we just didn't feel that it was necessary to tell them. And we knew that there was going to be judgment. And um, we just didn't need to have that judgment in our lives. So we just didn't go there. And it wasn't until just this past fall, actually just before the book came out, that we came up to our kids. And um, they, they weren't aware of it. And, uh, and they were 26 uh, and 29 at the time. They've got relationships and they've got everything else going on. And the reception was extremely good. If, if anything, it has improved our kids. We've always had a great relationship with our kids. It's always been very, very close. It's even closer now, you know, and the fact that they can share with us and, and uh uh, and their significant others can, can do the same. So it's been it's been a really a good process that way. And uh, we've always looked at it if somebody has an issue with this, that's their problem. You know, that's how they are. It's their perspective of us. It's how they vision us, uh, what they're projecting. And that's not necessarily who we are. We know who we are. We're very confident about it. It sounds honestly like a little bit of therapy, empowerment, freedom all the way around. But I think that's a beautiful feeling. Very much so. This question is geared more toward Candace. I've mentioned quite a bit on my podcast that I grew up with a Catholic background, also in the traditional sense of a woman being subservient to men, whether they're lovers or not. You had to obey what the man said. Once you found your empowerment and the lifestyle, was it easy to just say, this is how I'm living my life, this is my empowerment? Probably not until after we did ayahuasca, plant medicine, that... Um, you go more inward and you let go of the ego and, and and you become a little bit more spiritual and more aware of yourself and your surroundings. And, and just uh, um, at that point, I realized who I truly was and still am and how that just made me feel more empowered and more like a woman and more uh, able to, to express myself made it so important 
um, for our relationship and our relationship with, with others, you know, in a play situation. Now it was different. Now it's becoming more um, personal and... Um, Sensual. Yes. Connected. And you know, penetration wasn't necessary. That, you know, the, the, the final end game or ejaculation wasn't the final end game. It was much more intimacy that you did touch on um, intimacy and I've actually done an episode like that myself like there's a difference between sex and intimacy and like sometimes especially in a hookup culture these days as, as we call it like you know tinder has its reputation for just hooking up um, can you elaborate more on like what you define as the difference between sex and intimacy we used to be, uh, you know, we used to be teased sometimes that we forgot somebody's name, and I always said I never forgot her name. I never knew it. That was the way that it was in a lot of cases. Yeah, not not always, but there was enough that kind of went through the years that it was just this opportunistic. Uh, you go for the sex, you go for the animalistic, whatever, and you know, just ground and pound, and you have a great time, and everybody leaves, and you kind of move on. And the parties were bigger then, you know. You, you were dealing with orgies, you know, 10 or more people, sometimes up to about 80 people. And no, you don't know their names. You're basically piling on top of each other. And uh, yeah, it's a different feel than what we're doing now, which is more one-on-one, which we do prefer um, the three-way. It seems to work very well in our lifestyle right now. You know, then we can focus and, and do the full triangle and, and share our energies between three people. It seems to the dynamics seem to be and it's longer, you know, now about four hours, five hours, whereas before it was, you know, between dinner and going out to the, you know, to the club afterwards, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot. an hour. It was an hour, you know, sort of in and out, and, and uh, we take time now, you know, and we, we, we uh, we're much more friends, is, is really what it is, you know, much more mindful of what we're doing. I want to switch it up just a little bit and talk about how um, communication is vital so we know with the traditional monogamous relationship it's cliche but it's mentioned all the time and it's very true Um, how do you practice better communication in an open marriage we have a system that's that we talk about in the book and we call it the care which is communication admiration respect and eros so communication is extremely important to us and then Within, a, within an open relationship, I think it's a lot easier just people don't have a tendency to sort of hold things a little bit closer to their chest or if they have fantasies or if they have that sort of thing, they're feeling judged. And uh, so sometimes people aren't communicating, you know, not communicating what their, what their desires are. Um, now, because especially, you know, once, once you start to get involved with other people, you know, we're always, we're always pushing the fact that, you know, let's, let's to, to, uh, to express your boundaries, fears, and desires. So it's easy for people to, to tell them what their boundaries are. It's easy for them to figure out what their fears are. But for them to express what their desires are is a much more difficult thing. And we're now getting to the point, you know, with our friends and with ourselves that, you know, if we want something, we can actually ask for it, you know, and the other person can say yes to it or, or say yes, but later. Or, or just say, I'm not really into that. But it's without judgment. So... You know, you can find alternative ways of doing it. It says, "Well, I'm I'm not really into that right now. Maybe I will be later. But why don't we try this?" 
and that way everybody gets their needs fulfilled and, and you get to express yourself in whichever sexual way you want to express yourself. Kind of building off of that, what are your hard limits with each other? Did yeah. you actually come up with anything? No, I don't think we've come up with anything. We, we've all, you know, like, like our friends, Scott and Blood, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, there's very few people that, that enjoy that part of our relationship, that part of the kink world. Um, I don't know, we, we don't really have any... Yeah, we're not deep into the kink world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're okay with, like, spanking or slapping or, you know, um, tweaking the nipples and... Um, you know, yeah, just kind of light kink play. That's just our thing. Um, if Gregory was interested in any of that, I would say, okay, go and explore it on your own because it's not my thing, but I'll, I'll be there to watch. You know, we, that's one thing that we do have is a, um, we like to be um, with each other, whether it's in the same uh, room or in the same location yes. together. Uh, we participating somehow with, with the other person. You know, because like to feel each other's yeah. energies. We know a lot of people that go on dates, you know, they have their, their separate dates and they come home and they tell their spouse and they're extremely excited about that, you know, and it's something that really, really works for them. Um, we've tried that, but... Um, I always, well, I'm in the middle of the act, I'm kind of going, oh, I wish Gregory was here so he can see how I'm really enjoying this, <laughs> you know, and I can, oh, now I have to go home and tell him, and then after that I kind of went, oh, I'd rather just have you around, you know, I don't want to go out on separate dates, it was, so it wasn't my thing. I want to talk about a big issue that people in a traditional monogamous relationship um, fear about the lifestyle, and that's jealousy. How do you address that in your relationship? In your marriage? You need self-confidence. You need, you need self-confidence. You need to be confident in yourself. Um, very much so. Uh, more so than in your other, you know, the other person. Uh, jealousy is typically comes from, from uh, feeling not worthy enough or are not enough for your spouse and one of the things that you know people you know hopefully can can understand is that nobody can be 100% for anybody you know like when you hear somebody say they're my everything or you know I I, I get everything I need from them uh, I I kind of call somebody on yeah, that because you know not everybody can't be everything to everybody you know if you're 50 60 70 percent of, of everything somebody wants there's still going to be 20, 30% of something that that is more desire, you know, that, that you have a desire for. And whether it's because your spouse is into it or, uh, you know, it's just not part of the personality, uh, whatever whatever it is, whatever input that you're getting from them, uh, it just it needs to be a bit more. So if you, if you have the confidence in yourself, you're not feeling like uh, your spouse is looking elsewhere because you can't be everything to them. If you understand that you can't be and just know that you can love them, you know, dearly. They can love you dearly. Uh, but it's not something that that, um, that gets in our way of, of uh, talking to somebody else or engaging in conversations or doing that sort of thing. And we understand that of each other. So there is no jealousy. And we always come home and we always typically finish off and talk about it. So yeah, try to connect together. Stuff. And that's another thing that we always do before we go to any party or have anyone over, we have to have a connection. So we become close and we talk and we kiss and we caress and we just make sure that our connection is strong before um, reaching out and adding that third or, or 
much more than they're sending to uh, and getting and getting uh, and making sure our priorities are straight. You know, our my priorities are with our beloved. It's not with somebody else. You know, we have to put our family first, and uh, as long as we have that in the back of our minds and and are of service to our beloveds, uh, I think if if Candace would ignore me all the time or if she wouldn't do anything for me, I'd start to feel a little bit different. But because we constantly do things for each other and we're constantly honoring each other, uh, that question never comes up that she's not committed to me or has me on the top of her priorities. I think you mentioned um, communication and um, connection and energy. And I'm going through this phase in my own life where I'm single, but I haven't been committed to one person. I call it, <laughs> I'll be blunt, I've called it my whole phase. And I've gone and like experimented myself with certain things. Um, but I totally agree with you. Like if the connection and energy isn't right for me, even being a single individual, like I don't want to proceed with the, with the situation. I think it's just interesting that you touch on that because that's so relatable <laughs> to what I'm going through in my life where I've kind of started limiting even though I am very sexually open and sex positive, limiting who has certain energy at certain extents. You know how sometimes it's a vibe. I was reading in some of your scenes, basically like in Vegas, like, you know, like too much of this or too much of that. I'll be explicit, too much Coke or something like that. And it's like, that's not my vibe, you know, certain things like that where, you know, like you pick up on, okay, I'm not going to perform great here because I don't feel comfortable here, you know? And um, that's just not, the energy and connection isn't right. So I think it's interesting that you touch on that. I, I don't think that a lot of people connect all three with sex. Like, yes, it's physical. Yes, you can take away your emotion from it, which I've done before um, countless times, like one night stands and things like that. But connection, energy, and communication still were into play, even for that, that moment in time. So I think that that's awesome that you touched on that. We'll also start. We'll also start. You know, playtime with you know with, with partners. We'll we'll start just sitting in a circle and just you know just eye gazing and just touching and just you know circular breathing and that's what it just it just brings our attention and our focus and our energies into that environment and that we're and it makes us all very present and in the moment and focused on each other as opposed to being all over the place. I do want to touch on this. So I opened up about my own phase in life and. Part of the thrill, honestly, is sleeping with somebody new. Does that still remain when you're in the lifestyle? Yep. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Any body and a new oh, smell yes. and a new yeah. connection. If it didn't, oh, we still. Sure. We, if it didn't, we still have the same five people. You know. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. No, there's there's always that excitement and that uniqueness and something new. It's yeah, it's like the smell of a new car. You know, it's just something's attractive about it. What do you consider, what do you each consider your most erotic moments? Just one each, so you don't spill too many details of your book, or even maybe something that you didn't write in the book, and you're like, you know what, I should have put that in there. Yeah, we, we, looked at, we looked at some of your questions and stuff, and that was actually something that we talked about for a few minutes, and, and uh, 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 it, it's a difficult thing, you know, it's a surprisingly difficult thing. And it, and it, because every moment is all so special, Try and make them all special, and kind of go. Um, maybe say, what would I repeat? Uh, probably the time that I had the I was blindfolded, pinned down on a table, and uh, fire play mm -hmm. was was very very exciting. Um, it was fun to watch like too. That. I had a um, 
I think my birthday party, my one birthday party that I was kidnapped, you know, that's in the book. That was a that was that's a standout for me, where I was told to be home at a certain time, and I was so as a as a good boy, and I was uh, girlfriend came over and blindfolded me, and walked me out to her car and drove around for about half an hour through you know, gravel roads and highways and parking malls and going over speed bumps. And I was sitting in the front seat of her car with blindfold on, and uh, eventually we ended up someplace and at the time I didn't know where it was and uh, she led me inside didn't know who was there uh, didn't know where I was she stripped me naked uh, so here I am blindfolded completely naked not knowing where I am and she pushed me back to it I felt a massage table and I know she had just purchased a massage table fairly recently so I thought oh this is lovely we're gonna get a nice massage and that went on for a few minutes until I started hearing other footprints around me and uh, turned out there was four beautiful goddesses that were there to, to help me with my, my birthday and, and during the during the whole time uh, they were texting and, and uh, sending images to their significant others and Candace was working so they were sending pictures to her at work mm-hmm. so that was that was a that was that was fun that sounds exciting I want to say I must admit the sex scenes were pretty hot and they got my imagination going were they fun to write Oh my gosh. It was funny because the editor said, you need to read some erotica so that you can expand your stories. And yeah. it was all about how many different ways can I say penis, cinnamon, and vulva? <laughs> and because neither of us, neither of us are writers. We're both artists. We both, we've been long with, you know, long with, but, but the written word wasn't part of our art. And so there was a lot of challenges for us and a lot of, uh, uh, not anxiety, but, you know, you're, you're writing and it was, it was, really cool, you know, to, to discover that... That we actually were pretty really good at writing. And there were so many places in the book that as we finished writing them, we'd read them back to ourselves or each other, and we didn't know where the words came from. Like the, these were downloads that were just coming down. in, channeling, and, and as fast as it was coming down to me, and I'm writing away, and, and later I'd read them, and i go, who wrote this? And especially sections where one person would just, like, verbally just, blah, 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 while the other one was typing away, and... <laughs> Kind of go, where's that coming from? So, so that part was, was a lot of I am I am curious. I didn't put this in my questions, but have any of your friends read your book? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. They have. <laughs> yeah. What was their feedback? Oh, it's been excellent. Yeah, no, we've had really really good feedback in the books this like, summer. Okay, now who is that Paris woman? Oh yeah, a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> that Diane. Yeah. Is that so and so? We don't even need to all want to try to figure out who, who these people are. Yeah, no, no. That was in Europe. I want to switch it up just a little bit. So later on in your journey, you mentioned how cannabis enhanced your sex life. How did you transition into adding that into your sex life? Well, we've always, I mean, we've always smoked cannabis. It's always been part of our thing since we started. Teenagers? Teenagers, you know, 14. Um, what was the really big change for us was, um, uh, well, first off, was ayahuasca. You know, doing, doing ayahuasca, that whole journey was, was remarkable. And, and when we came home from, from, that, from that trip, um, it was right at the time that COVID was starting. And so we ended up being locked up for like, you know, not being able to do anything for, for a while. And not having pay parties. And not having pay parties, or not having any of those sort of things. And so we ended up just pedaling ourselves. Like we, we'd, have, we'd spend an hour and a half in, the, in bed every morning and just 
exploring, and it was through touch, it was through other central play. Um, and through tantra methods. Through tantra, yes, tantric methods, basically, is, is really what it was. Um, ejaculation not being the goal, just being the connection, and we started to discover that we were able to control or can, we could sense and, and feel these energies that were between us. And so we just spent time working on that. And then plant medicine, it it opens your, your mind up to, to new things and new ideas. And, and even though we're pretty, um, obviously, open about things and don't have a lot of uh, you know, hang-ups about anything, it's still to have that extra little you know, neurons clicking that are given a, you know, a bit more creativity to them. Right, so whether we're adding, you know, magic mushrooms to it or, or cannabis or DMT, it just heightens it just, just that little bit more that uh, creates um, a stronger bond. Yeah, and, and awareness. And awareness. You know, just the understanding of our bodies. Um, the mushrooms especially, there's there's all sorts of, um, you know, anecdotal reports or, you know, scientific research on, on the brain neurogenesis and how the brain is rewriting things and, and uh, rewriting memories or rewriting, not rewriting memories, but the, um, uh, the feelings that are behind them and, and how you can, um, you can nourish that by, you know, we, we do couple sessions now and we started that just within our own practice of having, having a third with us and, you know, doing a normal amount of mushrooms, not, not a huge dosage, so two grams and, uh, one and a half, two grams. And what we're discovering is that once we were all sort of coming out our individual journeys and we were all laying there together and it became much more sensual and connected, that's what ended up happening for the next three or four hours. So we started to see a pattern of almost, you know, every time we we're going to do mushrooms, this is the direction it went to because this is our new memory. This is our new neurological path to, to, to bring us these sensations and this, this effect. And uh, so we've continued that on and um, it's opened up a lot of avenues and and, uh, and for others done exactly the same thing. You know, it's just opened them up to, to accepting and uh, appreciating whatever you know, and attention. And cannabis is, is a big part of our nightly routine in the hot tub and we'll take a hit off of the bong and and uh, we go deep and, and we tell stories and I and I'm the secretary there. I'm just writing everything down because now we have two or three books that we all want ready have lined up that we want to write and because we just have more to say. We've had these one hour hot tub sessions for a few years and just almost almost every day we're just in there and we just talk, you know, about whatever and ideas and from spirituality to music to whatever, you know, whichever direction it wants to take, but we allow ourselves to to wander <laughs> in, in our minds. You did mention the transition from ground and pound to sacred sex, and I feel like that's kind of what this is opening up um, to me about. How did you journey into that transition? Uh, again, that was through uh, ayahuasca and DMT in uh, 2020, when all of a sudden we realized, um, actually coming back from ayahuasca, we had to sit and, and reevaluate evaluate our lives, wondering, okay, why are we playing with other people? Is this ego-driven? You know, we had to start why? questioning all those things, and we felt that we needed to address all of those things. You know, am I doing this just because of my ego, and that I want to feel like the man, or, or what was the real reason for it? And uh, we find, I think we just finally figured out that we just enjoyed doing it. <laughs> and you said, <know, laughs> we're, we're pleasure-seeking adults. We are PSAs. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> and it still gives us pleasure. And as long as everything is consensual, then... Yeah, it's consensual and safe. 
Yeah. But it wasn't until you know the time that, that I was speaking of earlier that we were spending this time in bed in the morning and understanding our energies that we really discovered that there was so much more to sex than just penetration, wham, bam, right. you know. Having the big O at the end. And the big O. You know, like that was that's always been the direction. That's what we've always been taught. That's what always felt good, and that's how we justified our life. And all of a sudden to discover the fact that I can have 12, 15 orgasms in a few hours and, you know, it, energy, orgasms. energy orgasms, but, you know, without the ejaculation, but that's still, it's just an amazing feeling and, and uh, what it does for our bodies. Is, is, uh, oh, it just energizes you. You, know? you talked about um, safe and consensual, and I actually want to elaborate on that. So I know most of the time. Even when I've interviewed like um, some of the adult actresses, the porn stars that have come onto here, and one of the stereotypes is like the sexual deviant thing, you know. But I wanted to actually um, have you both elaborate on the importance of both being safe and consensual, yet fun and kinky. Well, that's all through expressing what our boundaries, fears, and desires are before going into it. If somebody's got a hard no, um, we don't go there. And and having that, you know, having being able to express that before going into a playtime, everybody's just much more relaxed. You know, you're not on edge. Oh, I hope he doesn't touch me there. Or I hope this doesn't happen here. You know, I don't want her to do this because that's kind of. But if you've already expressed all of those things, you can you can shed all those worries and concerns, and you can just sit back and relax, and I know that you know this is the limit that it's going to go to, and just appreciate and enjoy as much as you can. You know, they always say a yes can become a no, but a no can never become a yes. And, uh, you know, if you honor that, everybody feels safe and secure. And the other thing, we don't go into any kind of playtime with any expectations. You're not going to go, okay, today I'm going to bring out my vibrator and my dildos and I'm going to you know, do this and that or whatever, or to, I'm going to dress up or any of these things. We just have no preconceived ideas. We kind of go in, we go, we're just going to let it flow. Because we don't know how the other person or persons are going to react or how they're even going to come to the to the table. So we just kind of say, okay. And by letting it flow, it's going to places that we would never have expected it to go. You know, it's just, yeah. uh, just open and, and, uh, and honoring of it. Just natural fun. I want to touch on the negative side. So what are the common stereotypes that you face? Uh, singers are sluts that are just have no moral ethics. Um, that's about it. We don't really listen to anybody, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's pretty You know, like I said, everybody's got, everybody has their perspective. Everybody has their, uh, you know, the way they are brought up and, and their beliefs, and that's great. You know, it's, that's what makes us all Well, we've already seen a difference now with the younger generation because they are exposed to porn before they are exposed to sex. to sex at a young age. So they're they're getting the wrong preconceived ideas of what sex should look like. Patients I think that I actually had sex before you saw porn. So we have to kind of discover it on, on our own and with our you know with, with a partner and uh, you know there's always been porn. It's been around for a long time but just the accessibility of it hasn't been something that a eleven year old can be sitting in their bedroom making it an absolute heart or whatever thinking that that's the direction that they that they're supposed to be going with, with uh, their sexual partner. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not as good as a, you know, there, there needs to be some education out there. I agree with that. Um, you talked about seeing porn after sex, and it's funny because um, 
accessibility was there when I was growing up because I'm I'm 33, um, but I didn't lose my virginity until I was 19 just because of that whole Catholicism. You know, I really had a tight grip until I started to let that go. And I feel like it's funny how you mentioned that because I actually did not know. I saw from like a Hustler magazine that I happened to come across in a playground of all places um, um, how sex looked, but I never saw it like in action, you know, until actually I gave up my virginity. And then I felt like I should watch a porn because I don't know how I did. And that comparison, you know, like I wanted to draw comparisons. Like, how did I do Compared to like, you know, what's what this guy may have seen already. So that was my introduction to porn. <laughs> it was after I lost my virginity and wanted to compare what I had just done. And um, I think it's funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, nowadays is right at their fingertips, you know, right at anybody's fingertips. And it's not reality. No, no it isn't. Reality. You know, they don't have any preparation time. There's no intimacy. There's so no like all of a sudden, you know, some woman has taken it in in the ass and you kind of go that doesn't just happen instantly do they not know it'd be like a half an hour of preparation, preparation and, and warming up the area and, and allowing the sphincter muscles to relax they don't show any of that you know in a form it's just like all of a sudden yeah flip her over she's ready to go yeah <laughs> definitely scare a lot of women you know after they experience that shut down and then the rest of their lives or for the longest time, you know, they're not going to be able to enjoy one of the most pleasurable things that you can do, you know, as long as it's done consensually and safely. I do want to touch on um, a different topic. What advice do you have for anyone contemplating joining the lifestyle? Communication, um, you know, just priorities, get your priorities straight is, is one of the big ones. You know, we really push that. Uh, you know, we've seen so many relationships where all of a sudden, you know, within, a, within the relationship, one of them just, it becomes their priority. And it's their, you know, the partying on the weekend or lining up this person or lining up that person or, you know, accomplishing something. And, and they start to neglect what's happening at home. And uh, that's never good. You know, that's going to that's gonna cause so many issues as far as the jealousy. It's, it's hard to have compersion um, for somebody that's, that's not listening to you and your needs. So definitely don't neglect your relationship, but yet both have that communication and um, that consensual feeling with each other and that empowerment uh, and freedom. That's what I'm grasping from all of this, um, just from the share, outside. Share you your know? fears. You know, share your fears. You know, people have all sorts of different fears, and they've got body, you know, body shame issues. They've got this, they got that. You know, if you express that with your with your partner. Uh, it'll just be so much easier and so much more enjoyable to move forward and, and uh, not just others, but between yourself as well. On the back of the book, we've got this little questionnaire that can take you through, you know, your your likes and your dislikes or, you know, your maybes. Um, you know, what kind of sexual activity would you like to try? And it's, it's really a good way for um, couples to express themselves and kind of go, well, I've never done that before, but I'm willing to try it. Or maybe not now, but maybe later, you know, but at least if you've opened up that communication and, and you are expressing some things that you might be interested in, and then your heart knows. And you know what, if you look back at it, then six months later, maybe your hard nose are now babies. 
where maybe they're going, yeah, maybe it's time. I can try that now. So we've seen we've seen people come in and, and in short order go from from soft swing, which is if you have this description of that, it's basically you know, not having penetrated sex with partners, but there's lots of there's lots of descriptions of that as well. Uh, so to go from from that, and then we saw them less than a year later, and they're into full on gangbangs. Like it's just <laughs> quite a transition for them, but that's where they're comfortable at the time. I do want to touch on what if the individual is single? Is the lifestyle accepting of singles? Uh, very much. Those are called unicorns and bulls. <laughs> and like, we have we have a few unicorns that that come over, and um, it, it's very a very special time just with them. Um, just only having a third uh, makes um, the the relationship between the three of us more powerful. Sometimes the fourth um, may not be on the same level, um, so the three is definitely quite comfortable envelop that one person and, and, it's, and, and it's make them feel very, very special. Yeah. And it's almost always females. Uh, we find it's been, it's been very difficult for us just with the play style that we kind of adopted or grown into uh, to have a guy come in. Uh, with most most guys are, are uh, very standoffish for any other guy that's in there and it becomes a little competitive deal and uh, you know, we've really found it, especially for somebody that's not familiar with Styles or, or how things work, and they kind of come in and you know literally turn their back on me and you know just get in there and that's not the process you know that's not not how we kind of how we do things. Uh, I enjoy sitting back and kind of with somebody and you know being an observer or being that sort of uh, you know the, the kinky guy watching from the corner. Um, but you know participation wise, it's it's always been much more. Female side is much more sexual, whereas the male side becomes much more. <laughs> I can attest to that. I've been like uh, <laughs> given the opportunity to be couples unicorns before, <laughs> so it's a lot more open. I felt like for the couple to approach, like you said, a female than it would be for a male. Same thing, also like in a strip club, for instance. If I'm out with like a bunch of guy friends, I guarantee. Not just me, because of who I am, but just, like, if you take a female with you, it's that, like, female enticement behind it. You know, like, it's like an unspoken thing. The females tend to gravitate toward each other, from my own experiences. But, like I say, it's funny that you touched on that, though. And that's why I wanted to bring that up, because it's one of my jokes that I have with some of my friends. Like, I'll be your unicorn. It also has an orientation as well. You know, we... We refer to ourselves as fluid, and uh, it, our our orientation or our desires are determined on the day, you know, and, and who that person is and what the scenario is. We don't go into the preconceived notion of this is who I am, and you know, I I can't do this or I can't do that, or you know, this is a line that I'm not crossing because that's what's been taught to me. Um, if it feels right, we do it, and uh, if it doesn't feel right, we still accept it. We've got a story, and we move on, and we're stuck with it the next time. You know, so it's it's pretty simple. We we never come down on ourselves or, or think poorly of a, a decision that we made. It was a decision that we made at the time, and you know, whether it was good or bad is is material. But something new to try, we're we're all about <laughs> that. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> we'll open up the doors. We'll try it, and we'll decide later if that was worthy of doing it again, or just like ah oh, yeah, I just crossed it off my bucket list.
list. <laughs> I've had those experiences myself. I want to talk about another thing that you mentioned a lot about um, besides uh, pleasurable sex, but it's traveling. So I wanted to touch on our lifestyle events and cruises that you mentioned in your book, Easy to Come By. Very easy to come by. There's some amazing ones that are broke there. There's a few large companies that are doing it now that, that never used to. One luxury lifestyle vacations that we that we travel with almost exclusively. Um, they uh, they offer trips literally around the world. They've got one coming up to go to Antarctica and they take full five star cruise lines and service and uh, uh, you know what they provide for us is, is unparalleled it's, it's unmatched it's it's really a five-star service and and so is the crowd that goes you know to events like that we've been on boats where there's been 3,500 people that are that are on a boat one of those or 3,500 couples one of those you know the great big monster cruise lines they're um, well they were fun they were fun and the costumes and that and uh, all that was fantastic but you didn't really have time to get a lot of the connection with people because there's too many people and by the time you talk to one couple in front of you you turn slightly and, and you talk to somebody else and these guys are already gone and you and you can't find them and you'll say okay i'll meet you at the cappuccino bar in the morning well you didn't realize that there were four cappuccino bars on that ship <laughs> <laughs> so you can see them again uh, things like that would happen so then we found smaller ships which we found uh, 300? Yeah, 300, 350 staterooms in there, yeah. so like six, 700 people. And you really got to know everyone. You could see the same people in the, the dining hall, and you'd see them. Yeah. Oh, everywhere. You know, hotel takeovers are a really big popular thing. Um, uh, there's a, a number of resorts that are around. There's a couple in the States, Seamount, uh, and uh, it's, it's one of the bigger ones. Uh, but there's Desire in, in Mexico, there's, there's Hito in Jamaica, there's all sorts of clubs throughout Europe. They're a completely different story. Like that's a whole other episode. Just going to a swing club in Europe, you know, compared to anything that's here. <laughs> I want to touch on some important questions. Where can people find your book? Online or on Amazon. Um, because of the title of it, it's difficult for us to advertise on, on Amazon. They don't they don't like a lot of that what's going on there. They don't like our word fucking. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> fucking our way to the thing, but it's but it's if, we, if you're doing a search for it, it's it's F asterisk C K. But I think that if you actually just put F uh, space C K I N G, it still comes up as, as one of the first books. <laughs> or they can go to our website, which is evolutionarysex.org. Or standing for orgasm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's it's our home site, so they can buy the book directly off of that, you know, in digital format. Um, and we've been writing a, a huge blog section. Yeah, we got a blog section that I'm seeing the right. That's fantastic for so, more information. Yeah, so there's that coming up, and uh, and then we offer mentorship programs, and as well as plant uh, medicine facilitation as well. Those are those are three things over there. So it's yeah, evolutionarysex.org. Pretty awesome. How can you be reached? Uh, through the book. Through through the book or the website's the easiest way to get us. Um, info at evolutionarysex.org is uh, is the email address on it. So if somebody wants to talk to us directly, they can give us a give us a shout. Very very awesome. And I just want to close it up with: Do you have any last thoughts? No, I just you know I I appreciate your you know giving us this time to sort of air our our story. Um, I think that it's it's educational, it's beneficial for people, and just to understand you know how things can possibly work in a relationship and and uh, how to approach it. 
And we really enjoyed uh, your questions that you, that you uh, made out. Um, it got us to think about it for a few, few minutes and uh, yeah, and really kind of dig deep in how we were going to answer these. So much of our, so much of our lives and continues to be our lives, as, you know, as we talk about, is, is just going with the flow. And that includes the people that are around us, the people that are in our lives, and uh, having that positive manifestation mindset of, of this is what I'm looking for in my life. We never speak negatively of each other or to ourselves, about ourselves. That flow really, you know, having that mindset, that flow really comes along quite nicely and it puts you in a very comfortable, safe space. I kind of, well, not kind of, I completely agree with that, especially after my divorce. So I used to host my podcast with my ex-husband and then we went through a divorce, infidelity, things like that. Um, but I had to like come through my own healing and empowerment and just face a lot of things um, that I wanted to change within my own life. You know, a lot of it I felt like was conformity to the Catholicism and I touch on that a lot and like the patriarchy versus where I'm at now in my life, like going with the flow. And that's a lot of what I've been doing, you know, and especially being like a single individual and navigating things um, like the new online dating world you know tinder when i was with with my ex-husband was not a thing and now it is you know and that's like one of the most popular um but just going through navigating going with the flow finding uh, empowerment uh, being more communicative even if it's somebody i'm not in a relationship with and you know you just you gotta have communication and it's funny that you touch on all these things communication energy uh, going with the flow i feel like speaks to my life right now <laughs> it's the phase that i'm in and the stuff i'm embracing so i get like the wavelength that you're on we could have another whole conversation just about that <laughs> i do want to thank you both for taking the time to come out onto my podcast and have this discussion with me i wish you the i wish you both the best with your future endeavors and again um, thank you so much i really appreciate it i had a fun discussion with you both Thank you. Yes, it's been a great hour with you. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today for another special edition of Hush. You can find us on thehushpodcast.com, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Red Dragons Radio, any Alexa-enabled devices, and all other major platforms. Also, make sure to visit me on Instagram and Twitter at hushpodcast69.